know what I'm saying? You know, you, you know you're, you, catch your, you catch yourself doing all of these things, but it's good, man. It's a blessing. I'm glad you guys are here and uh, able to, to do that. Would you raise your hand if you don't have a study sheet? Anybody? Appreciate that. Yep. And you know, I know we're all excited about uh, celebrating the resurrection next week, as am I, but I'm also excited to be here with you guys this morning. Everybody was talking about next week. I'm like, wait, we've got one more Sunday in between there that we still get to get together. And we were talking about weeks from now, but I, I'm, I'm excited about this week too. I hope that you are, and I'm looking forward to diving into the word together. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I pray that you would just remove all distractions from us, God, and that you would just do a work in this place, that you would, uh, that you would penetrate our hearts with the truth of your word, that you would help us to receive that truth. I pray, God, that you would change lives this morning, you would save lives. Please help me to get out of the way, God. That is the best thing that I could possibly do, is to get out of your way so that your word can have free course and be glorified and we can just make much of you, make much of your name, and make much of your word and your truth and who you are and what you've done. And that's what we desire to do today. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to turn to the book of First Thessalonians. That's obviously where we'll be hanging out this morning and where we have been hanging out for quite some time. It's actually, this is actually our 24th message in this book as we've been going through it verse by verse and and we got into chapter 5 which is the the last chapter of the book a, a few weeks ago now and and we've been talking a lot about in chapter 5 we've been talking about the day of the Lord and and, and as we continue studying chapter 5 the the context is still is the day of the Lord though though there are times in the Bible that the day of the Lord is specifically referring to the second coming, and, and we commonly use it that way. Technically, it covers a broader period of time than just the second coming, and, we, and we've seen that. But just to remind us, it does cover the tribulation period. It, it goes into the second coming, into the millennium, and then into the new heaven and the new earth. It covers a broader period of time than just the second coming. And as we begin, I want to remind us that, that God teaches us that there will be those people that scoff at the idea of the day of the Lord. There will be people that, that mock this idea of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And in one of the places the Bible teaches us that is 2 Peter chapter 3 in verse 3. And in, in, in the sad reality of, of the scoffers and the mockers of this day, uh, of this day of the Lord, is the, is the simple fact that, y'all, they will be overtaken like a thief in the night, as we've been seeing throughout this study. That is the reality that they're facing. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And, and these verses show us that there will be those that scoff or that mock at this idea of the day of the Lord or that mock at this promise of the second coming that we talk about and that we sing about 
so much. You guys keep saying he's coming back, but, but where is he? I, I, don't, I don't see him. Where's he at? And if you're a believer and you've been with us the, the, the last several weeks, you understand the sad reality that I mentioned a moment ago. And that's that those that mock this day will overtake them as a thief in the night. That's just the reality of it. And some of what we'll see in, in the verses that we'll be studying this morning is that our understanding of the day of the Lord and whether or not it comes upon us like a thief in the night is actually connected to this thing of light and darkness. Now, we'll be gleaning more than just that about light and darkness this morning, but that's part of what we're going to be seeing. And that's what it says in the verses we'll be studying. Take a look at, with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, which are our verses for study this morning. It says, But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day, that, that day referencing the day of the Lord, you're not, not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So, so the day of the Lord overtaking us like a thief in the night is connected to whether or not we're in the light or whether we're in darkness. But, but before we get too far down the road, first, I believe it's going to be important for us this morning to to understand this thing of light and darkness just a little bit better. Yeah, number one on your study sheet, understanding light and darkness. Understanding light and darkness. And, and, and I know that that, that seems like a, a pretty simple idea. It, 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 and on some level it is simple. It, but, but it's important for us to take a few minutes and, and talk about what light and darkness is biblically. We, we all understand light and darkness in the physical world. We, we, all, we, we all get that. We've understood that from a child. It, but like we've seen in recent weeks, God is using the physical world to teach us spiritual truths. Romans 1.20 teaches us just that. But we can't assume what those spiritual truths are that creation is intended to teach us. We don't get to look at creation, for example, and look at the physical creation and relate it to spiritual things that aren't biblical truths. Otherwise, we can really use creation to just kind of make up whatever we want, right? It has to be connected to biblical truth when we do that. And so it's important that we see how God uses light and darkness in the Bible to understand why he uses these terms that we're so familiar with in creation to describe these spiritual truths. And, and as we do, I, I want us to start by looking at what I consider to be a very foundational to our understanding of what light is biblically, and that's found in 1 John 1.5. And, and here's what it says. This then is the message which we have heard of him. The him here is Jesus. This is the message which we've heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. That's going to be key in our understanding of, of light and darkness, is an is a obvious verse that we would use as we talk about it. But, but what do these symbols of light and darkness mean? And, and in order to understand that, we need to realize there are, there are two ways that light and darkness are used in the Bible. And, and so I want us to see, letter A, what they mean intellectually what they mean 
intellectually. So uh, let's start with light, okay? God uses the, the, the word light, and at times he uses that word intellectually. And from an intellectual standpoint, God uses it to reference truth, and he uses it to reference knowledge. So for example, in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. And the idea here is, because the commandment and law are light, the light is linked to the truth. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, this is what Peter says when referring to the word of God. It says, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And what Peter is saying right here is something that is completely mind-boggling when you understand what he just said. He's saying that the scriptures that we hold in our hand this morning are a more sure word of prophecy than the audible voice of God. Do you realize that? And, and that, that the truth of the word of God, is, it's as a shining light into a dark place. Psalm 119 and verse 130, David says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And again, the light is connected to the truth of the word of God and the knowledge that it gives to show us what we've been called to do. And, and there are plenty of others that we could, we could literally go on and on, and I won't do that to you this morning. And we don't have time. But understand, one of the ways that God uses the symbol of light in the Bible is, is related to exposing God's truth. It, it's, it's understanding God's truth. That's how it's used in the Bible from an intellectual standpoint. And, and so it's not that hard to figure out then how God is going to use darkness in the Bible intellectually because, of course, it's going to be the opposite of light. So darkness refers to error and ignorance intellectually. In, in Job chapter 8 and verse 38, it says, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Job 12, 25, it says, They grope in the dark without light, and he maketh them to stagger like a drunken man. Groping in the dark is usually not what's best for us but 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 that that's 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 what it's like you're you don't know what you're even reaching for in the dark they don't know where they're going and they're walking in error and they're walking in ignorance in ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 paul talks about having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart again it's error in its, in its ignorance. It's not, not knowing, not understanding. So, so biblically, light and darkness are used to refer to intellect. But there's another way that they're used. And the other way that they're used that I want us to see is how they're used morally. They're, what, what they mean morally. And, and starting again with light. What, what we see is that light is connected to holiness and purity. 
First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, Ye are a chosen generation, a, a royal priesthood, here it is, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the marvelous light, it's, it's connected to being holy. It's connected to this holy nation. In, in Romans in uh, Romans 13, 12, Paul says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And, and we're seeing that light and darkness are connected to our, our works. And, and clearly, light is connected to works that are holy and pure. And so if that's what light means morally then you already know where things are headed as to what darkness means morally. What do you think that it means? Well, it means, it means evil or it means sin. In, in 1 John 2.11, it says, He that hateth his brother is in darkness, and he walks in darkness, and he knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Proverbs 4.19 says the, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. In other words, sinful, evil ways are as darkness. And, and, and so I, I take you through that and I, and I lay that groundwork out for us this morning so you'll understand what the Bible means when it talks about light and darkness. It's referring to something intellectually, and it's referring to something morally. Intellectually, light is truth and knowledge, and morally, it's holiness and purity. And intellectually, darkness is error and ignorance, and morally, darkness is sin and evil. And understanding that is going to help us to make better sense of what our passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is talking about when it references not being in darkness, but being in the light. And not being a child of darkness, but being a child of light. Because what Paul does is, is, is he uses these, the light and the darkness, and he uses them as symbols, and he uses them to describe what our identity is. He uses them to describe who we are. He's relating our identity to this thing of light and darkness and our identity to this thing of day and night. But to better understand our identity and understand who we are, what I want us to see before we dive into that is who we were. We need to, we need to understand something about who we are. It helps us understand who we are when we understand who we were. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 4, again, it says we're, we're, we're not of darkness and we're not of the night. And, and so Paul says, we're not of the night. And listen, y'all, we're not of darkness. But do you guys understand that we were? You understand that we used to be that way? Yeah, they, we, they, they weren't then written to believers but we were, and billions of people that are in the world right now still are. 
And, and that's why the day of the Lord is going to come upon them and overtake them one day like a thief if nothing changes. Because like we saw, darkness is error and it's ignorance and they don't see it. As believers, we, we understand the, the simplicity that's in Christ. It, and it is simple. Call in the name of Jesus to save us from our sins. Man, that's, that's, that, that's pretty simple. We're, we're not even doing anything when we do that, right? We don't believe we're doing anything. We're simply admitting that we can't do anything to solve our sin problem. And we're calling on the name of the one who did something about our sin problem by becoming the sacrifice for our sin. That's, that, that's, that's pretty simple. And as simple as that is, this thing of darkness that 1 Thessalonians 5, 4, and 5 is talking about that we just read, that people are currently in and that we were in once upon a time, that darkness poses its challenges because there is a very real power that's fueling that darkness. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it talks about the fact that there's a power of darkness. There's a very real power that's at work behind this darkness. Ephesians 6.12, it, it teaches us that, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places you see there's a power that's behind all of this darkness it's a very real power it's a very strong power and in acts 26 18 shows us that the the darkness that unbelievers are in in the darkness that that we were once a part of and the power that it had over us is a power that is fueled by none other than Satan himself. Satan is at work. We're, we're, we're to, Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. That darkness, y'all, it's the, it's the power of Satan. The power of darkness has a person behind it. The power of darkness that we were all under at one point in time is the power of Satan working in this world. And Satan was using all the power that he had to keep us in that darkness as long as he could. And for some people, it will be their whole lives. He, and he's using all the power he has to keep everybody right where they are, sitting in the darkness. Revelation 12.9 says that Satan is the one that deceiveth the whole world. And he does that by working to keep people in the dark. And you see, there's a power behind that darkness. That power is Satan. And that's, a, that's, a pretty, that's pretty powerful. So, so like we saw earlier, darkness is what kept us walking in error and ignorance and in sin and evil and the bible teaches us that there's a power behind that and it also teaches us that there's even a there's even a spirit behind all that in in ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 it says that in time past we we walked according to the course of this world 
according to the prince of the power of the air. The, the prince of the power of the air is Satan. The, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Listen, before we got saved, we were all on a course. And we were bebopping around on that course. And in a lot of cases, not even realizing the course that we were on. Because we were in darkness. <laughs> but the course was the course of this world. And, and it's a course in which Satan is the ruler of. And that satanic spirit was at work in our lives to keep us in the darkness. And in that spirit that was at work, it was at work on not simply the disobedient, but who? The, the, the children of disobedience. We weren't just disobedient. We were the children of disobedience. That's who we were. You know why God refers to us as the children of disobedience and, and not just disobedience? It's because God is showing us we were children, which means we had a father. And you know who our father was? Our father was the devil. I know that, that that's, that's, that's hard to comprehend, but John 8, 44, it says that exact thing. It says that in our unbelieving state, we were a child of the devil. Jesus is talking to the unbelieving Pharisees here, and he says, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. That's who we were. When we really just sum it all up and get to the bottom line, we were a child of the devil because Satan was our father. And because of that, we acted like our father, and we did according to our own lusts, and we walked in darkness. 1 John 3.10, it talks about that certain behaviors reveal to the world who our Father is. It talks about the fact that there are children of God, and there are children of the devil. You say, man, that sounds harsh to say that we used to be a child of the devil and that those that are in darkness are still a child of the devil well first i didn't say it so don't be mad at me <laughs> i these these aren't my words i'm coming up with i would never say such mean things about you god on the other hand doesn't have a problem with it <laughs> you know the the the, the crazy thing is, is that when Jesus said that to the Pharisees about who their father was, Jesus wasn't just trying to be cold-blooded to hit these guys with a zinger. Like, ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something real mean about them, right? He's not using child of the devil like we would use certain phrases when we really want to express how much we dislike somebody, right? We'll say things like, that guy over there, man. He's a real piece of garbage, I tell you what. He just, he is. And, and that certainly gets our point across, but that's hyperbole, isn't it? That, it? They're not a literal piece of garbage. It's not meant to be taken literally, but this isn't hyperbole when Jesus says it. Jesus is actually stating a fact. 
They were children of the devil, and so were we at one time, and so is everyone that still doesn't believe. And the reason is because in the spiritual world, it works the same as the physical world. Remember, we went into great detail a couple weeks ago looking at some of the ways that creation is pointing to spiritual truths and talked about it already this morning. And this is no different. In the physical world, we are all children. Every one of us had a father. Now, they may have been a bad one. They may have been an absent father. They may not have raised you, but they, they were your biological father. You, have, one, you had, have or had one somewhere. And it works the same way in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, we have a father. And the father is either God or, or the father is Satan. It's going to be one of the two. You, you see, our first birth, Man, that thing was extremely flawed. We were, we were born of the flesh. We were born of the sin nature that we inherited from Adam. We were born of corruptible seed. And so what did we need? We needed to be born again. And when we were born again, we were born of the Spirit. We inherited a new nature now, a divine nature, the Bible teaches us. And we were born of incorruptible seed and in that moment what was also happening was we were swapping dads we went from being a child of satan to being a child of god but that's who we were in our in our lost state that's how lost we really were no matter how good of a person we felt like we were when we were walking in that darkness we weren't seeing What we thought we saw clearly turned out to be error and it turned out to be ignorance. And the lives we were living were characterized by varying degrees of sin and evil. And we were the children of the devil. That's how bad it was. That's what being in darkness and being a child of darkness and child of the night looked like. That's who we were. But next, I want us to see who we are. Number three, who we are. Again, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, it says we are children of the light and children of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. Paul reminds us here of who we are and who we are matters. We, we used to be children of the night and darkness and now we're children of the light and of the day, and we're children of the light and the day because God is our Father now. Have you ever noticed what God is called in James chapter 1, verse 17? It's that he's called, in James 1, 17, He's called the, the Father of lights. And in the moment we called on Jesus' name to save us, like our passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, The moment we called on Jesus' name to save us, we became children of the light because our Father was the Father of lights. And because like 1 John 1, 5 says, as we've seen, God is light. So we were children of the light and children of the day. And so just like we were seeing earlier, intellectually, light is connected to truth. Morally, it's connected to holiness. And so as children of the light... And of the day, we can see. We can see and understand the truth, and we can walk in truth, and we can walk in holiness and purity because we're in the light now. 
Paul describes his experience when he was on the road to Damascus in Acts 26, 18. And, and, and Jesus is talking to Paul and he's, and he's sending Paul to the Gentiles for, for, for this purpose, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. We looked at that, we looked at that earlier, but that's what happened to those of us that believe we lived and walked with, in darkness and we were under the power of our father, Satan, but our eyes were opened to the light that we received and we were turned from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God and now we're children of the light and we're children of the day. That's who we are now. And, and this is what Paul is reminding the Thessalonians. He's, he's reminding them of who they are and he's reminding us of who we are. And because of who we are as children of the light, it should have an effect on our lives. And one of the ways is, is the day of the Lord shouldn't overtake us as a thief. We were delivered from the power of darkness. It doesn't have control over us anymore. We were delivered from that power, the, the power of darkness and the power of Satan. So let me ask us, if we were delivered from that power, and it, it, the power of darkness has no more power over us. We've been, we've been translated out of it, and we're now the children of light, and we're now the children of the day, then why don't our lives always look like people that are walking in the light? Listen, part of what our passage this morning is teaching us is like we studied a few weeks ago. We can know the times and the seasons surrounding the day of the Lord perfectly. We have the ability to know the times and the seasons of the day of the Lord perfectly and for that day to not overtake us as a thief in the night because we are in the light and are children of the light and of the day so we can see and understand those things perfectly and it will not sneak up on us like a thief in the night. And that's part of what Paul's saying here in 1 Thessalonians 5. But Paul's also trying to remind the Thessalonians in the midst of this, and God is trying to remind us of who we are now that we're saved and what that means. We're children of the light and we're children of the day. Like I mentioned earlier, when, we were, when, we're, when we're looking at the Bible and, and we're looking at how he uses the symbol of light, what we found is, is that light illuminates truth and knowledge for us and it causes us to live holy and pure lives. So again, why don't our lives always look like people that are in the light? We're children of the light, and God is our Father, and He's the Father of lights, and in Him is no darkness at all. <laughs> and we're no longer of the night, we're no longer children of the darkness. So what's the problem? And that brings us to number four on your study sheet. The problem with walking like who we are. The problem with walking like who we are. It stands to reason that if we're of the light in the day, that our lives would be characterized by what light is connected to biblically, truth and holiness. And the problem is, is that we don't always walk 
in the light that we live in. We, we, we're of the day and we're in the light now, but we're not always walking in that light. Ephesians 5.8 says it like this, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now that we're light in the Lord and we're children of the light, God says, now walk like it. <laughs> walk like who you are now. Because though we're in the light and children of the light, we're prone to do what we see in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 13. And leave the paths of uprightness and walk in the ways of darkness. And you say, but again, how is that possible? If God's light has shined on us and we're in the light, then how does it get dark if in him is no darkness at all? How is it we can still walk in darkness if we're not in darkness and we aren't children of darkness anymore? Well, there's really only one way. For us to willfully close our eyes in the light for us to willfully grab blinders and cover our eyes though we're in the light. You realize we, we, we see that same idea in Galatians 5.25. It says if we live in the Spirit, in Galatians 5.25 it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, though we now live in the Spirit and the Spirit lives in us, we can still walk in the flesh, can't we? And, and so God is admonishing us, now that we live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And it's the same idea with light. Now that we live in the light, and the, God's light is shining upon us, and we're children of the light, we're called to walk in that light now. Don't willfully close our eyes and, and put on blinders now that we're in the light and go back to walking in darkness like the people that we were. There's an interesting picture regarding this that we see from the nation of Israel. They're, the nation of Israel, they're, they're finally free from being under the taskmaster's whip in Egypt. And, and they escape Egyptian captivity and they have this just incredible miracle in the red in the crossing of the red sea and as many of you know that's a that's a picture an old testament type or picture of our salvation as we too we we also escaped the bondage and slavery of sin and we did so by being buried in his death pictured by passing through the sea and just like the israelites we we came out on the other side resurrected to new life on the other side of that thing. That's an incredible picture of salvation that God paints for us. But do you remember what the Israelites said not long after they crossed? In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 4, it says that they said one to another, let us make a captain and uh, let us return to Egypt. You... You mean Egypt, that place of darkness, that place of slavery? How could that be? And they said then in Numbers 11, 5 through 6, they said, wow, you know, we, we remember the fish that we ate there. Man, that must have been some good fish. I'd like to try that fish. We remember 
we remember the, the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely and the, the cucumbers. I'm not sure I'd be so drawn to the cucumbers, but hey. The cucumbers and the melons and definitely not the leeks, but the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. You know, we were under our taskmaster's whip back there in Egypt, but we did eat pretty good over there sometimes, didn't we? It wasn't all bad, was it? it the food tasted a little bit better than the food that we're eating right now. And you know what they're doing? Even though they're now in the light, they're desiring to grab the blinders and put them on and close their eyes and begin to walk in darkness again. Because when they walked in darkness, there were some positives to that. There were some experiences that happened in the darkness that they kind of liked. Listen, do you realize, though, how insane that sounds when you understand what Israel had gone through in Egypt? They were slaves, man. They were beaten. They worked their tails off in the hot sun. They did whatever they were told. And they're talking about closing their eyes and walking in darkness and going back. And we struggle with the same stuff. Just like Jesus said to the believing Jews in John 8, 34. He says this. Jesus answered, and verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Skip to verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Jesus is saying to us, don't you know that before you got saved, when you lived in darkness, that you were a slave and a servant to sin? It controlled you. It said, jump, and you said, how high? But now through salvation in Jesus Christ, and as children of the light, we don't have to be a slave anymore. We're now we're now free. We just sang about this. We're now free from that slavery. So why would you ever want to close your eyes and go walking back in the darkness? You do know what happens in the physical and spiritual world when you walk in darkness, right? You remember John 12, 35? It says when you walk in darkness, you don't even know where you're going. That's true in the physical and spiritual world. Proverbs 4.19 says, If you walk in darkness, you're going to stumble, and you're not even going to know what you're tripping over. And what's happening in the midst of that is, that we don't always realize, is that we're hindering our fellowship with God. We're hindering our fellowship with God. That's what 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6 teaches us. It says that, if we say that we have fellowship with him, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. It says we're lying if we're walking in the darkness and we're saying that we have fellowship with God. Now, we may, we may be saved, but we're, we're not in fellowship with God. Our relationship with him isn't an intimate relationship our communication and our communion and our fellowship 
is hindered because though we live in the light and are children of the light, we've intentionally and willfully chosen to walk in darkness. And God wants to remind us this morning of who we are so that we'll live like who we are and not who we were. We're not children of the devil. We're children of God. We're not children of darkness. We're children of the light. We're not children of the night. We're children of the day. And God has now called us because of who we are and because of who he made us. He's now called us to be true to who we are. He's called us to walk in the light as he is in the light. Are you living your life with the realization of who you are now? Do you live your life that way? Or do you live your life thinking back about who you used to be? Remembering all those good times in the darkness, but forgetting all the pain and the regret. But remembering all the good times. God wants to remind us of who we are so that we know how we're to live and how we're to walk. So that's the problem that we face as we attempt to to walk like who we are. And now next, I want us to to apply who we are practically. Number five, applying who we are practically. And we're going to get into more of this in in a couple weeks. But if we just took the biblical definition of light that we looked at as we began this morning, and we took that biblical definition that you guys all remember and could repeat to me if I were to quiz you on it, If we took that biblical definition of light that we looked at this morning and we said, what does being a child of the father of lights and a children of the light and a child of the day look like? I I think we'd first have to remind ourselves of a a verse that we dove into a few weeks ago in Philippians 2.15. Because it teaches us that we shine as lights in the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and then he ascended back up into heaven. And the, and, and the light went out. And now we're here, and we shine as lights in the absence of the true light, and we're to reflect his light as children of the light. And so, if we're now shining as lights... As children of the light, and biblically, light is connected intellectually to truth, then I think it's safe to say that as children of the light, our responsibility is to shine God's light by sharing God's truth. If we're children of the light, then we're the ones who have been left here to shine the light and to share the truth with the world that has been blinded by the darkness of Satan. Second Corinthians 4, 4, it says, again, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan is working. He is actively working on them like he was actively working on us. And he's trying to keep them in that darkness that they're living in. And now, as children of the light, we've been called to shine the light of the truth into that darkness so that the blinders that Satan has on these unbelievers will come off. And if we're now shining as lights, as children of the light, and biblically light is morally connected to holiness, then I think that it's, 
it's safe to say that as children of the light, our responsibility is to shine God's light by living holy lives for the world to see. Sometimes the world can't hear the truth that we're telling them because our lives are speaking too loudly for them to hear what we're saying. I, I, I just mentioned Philippians 2.15, but, but, but look at it again with me. It says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's the rest of that verse. We shine as lights in the world by being blameless and harmless without rebuke. In other words, we shine as lights in the world by living holy lives for the world to see. That's what being a light is all about. That's what behaving like who we are is all about. We've been called to shine as lights. And the way we do that is by sharing God's truth with the lost and dying world and by living holy lives for the world to see so that they might see something different in our lives. Tell them something, but then live something for them. In John 12 and verse 46, Jesus says this is why he came. He came as a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Listen, that's why he came and that's why he left us here. There's no other reason to justify our existence. He should have just raptured us out of here after salvation, but he left us here as lights now that he's gone so that we could reflect that light and shine as lights as children of the light so that others would believe on Jesus and not abide any longer in darkness. Some of you remember that darkness very vividly. Man, there's people out there that desperately need to be pulled out of that same darkness that we once were in. And I want us to, to ask ourselves a, a, a series of questions this morning. Are you walking in the light? I know most of you live in it, but are you, are you walking in the light? Have you willfully closed your eyes and find yourself walking in darkness? Have you compartmentalized? Some areas of your life where you're willfully not letting the light shine in that you live in. Would you ask God to reveal areas of your life this morning where that might be the case? And if you're saying, yeah, man, I'm, I'm walking in the light. Oh, well, man, that's, that's great. But if that's the case, can I ask you? If the light is truth, who are you sharing the truth with? When's the last time you shared that light and that truth with someone that doesn't believe if you're walking in the light? What, what's our testimony at work? What's our testimony with our spouse? What's our testimony with our kids? Would they testify to the fact that God's light is shining through you because of the holy life that you live? And, and I know I, I, I hit you with, with quite a few questions right there. And, and, and as we're praying and as we're singing here in, in just a moment, I, I want to ask you, 
if you would just answer those questions honestly as we sit there? Would you evaluate your life? Not just flip the switch and, all right, we're going to sing now. Would you, would you use that time to just evaluate those questions honestly this morning? It, and if there's anybody here who's never called on the name of Jesus, trusting in his work on the cross for forgiveness of sins, there's a verse I'd like to leave with you as we conclude, if I could. In John chapter 12 and verse 36, Jesus said this, While ye have light, believe in the light that ye may be children of the light. These things spake Jesus, and, and he departed, and he did hide himself from them. If you've been sitting here this morning, the light of the truth has been shined unto you. Will you believe in that light while you have it? I don't know how many chances each person gets before they become numb to it and before Jesus goes and hides himself from them. Will you call on his name to be saved this morning while the light is here and the light is shining and there's still time? Stop wasting time. What is stopping you if you never have? Let's pray. Jesus we, we love you and we, we thank you, God, that you pulled us out of that darkness. What a complete and total mess we were in, God. And you pulled us out and you shined your light on us and you revealed your truth to us, God. And now we don't have to be slaves anymore. We, 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 we have been freed. We've been freed from the bondage that sin is and that darkness is. And now we've got the ability to walk in the light, God. And the only way we're, we don't do that now is if we willfully choose to walk in darkness, God. God, would you convict people this morning of ways that they're walking in darkness they have cut off, put the blinders on, close their eyes to the light that, they're, that they live in, and they're, and, they're, and they're compromising, and they're sinning, and they're doing things, God, that they know is not who they are, but it's who they were. God, may we turn the corner on all that junk. And if there's anybody in here who's never called on your name to be saved, I pray that today would be the day. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's, let's stand and sing. Contemplate.